lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. <laughs> All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Cards Live. This is episode number 111. It is Friday night, August the 27th, 2021. And my name, as it says below, is Jeremy Lee. All right, I do want to thank last Saturday's guests. We had Jesse Craig from PWCC. We had Adam Gray from Basketball Card Fanatic. We had Eric Myers and Max Norris, as well as Brian Gray for the special episode last Sunday. Thanks to all of them for joining. Later tonight on After Hours, we have the Hobby Kaboom Entrepreneur, co-host of the podcast that is sort of sweeping the nation, Hobby Update. We have Shay Raman coming up, also known as Shay Way Blogs, for some hobby talk. Next Saturday's guest, I want to let everybody know we have Reed Kasayoka coming. He is the lead buyer for Dave and Adams. And then we have Wade Boggs Super Collector, Joe Reichard, coming on. I do want to shout out my guys at the Big Three Hockey. Give them a follow on Instagram and check out the fine cards that they showcase there on. I want to shout out Lucas, Lucas, Tigers and Bronze. Oh, my podcast. They had me on their 10 for 10 series. Drop that episode on Tuesday. Thanks, gentlemen, for having me. That was a blast. I want to shout out Jeff Morris. He's a past Sports Cards Live guest. And his article on Sports Cards Daily website that came out on Wednesday covering the show that we did with Brian Gray and all the comments regarding the Fanatics announcement. And I also want to shout out the Summit Show that is happening this September on the 18th and 19th in Edmonton, Alberta. I will be there. Typically has about 100 vendors, around 2,000 attendees or so. Come on down if you're in the area. Looking forward to another great card show in Edmonton. I want to shout out the podcast listeners. You know I appreciate you. Still do. And if you all ever get a chance to come join a live show, please make sure to do so. And I want to shout out the all the subscribers on YouTube. Thank you, everybody, so much. If you're not yet subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. We we whipped past 3,500 subscribers, and we are like two or three away from 3,600 already. So thanks, everybody, and welcome to all the new viewers of the show. As always, Snake Guys, your comments, your questions are in play Let's get to it. Tonight's guest is a hobby legend who started designing sports cards for Fleer in the 90s. She was out of the game for 20 years, but was rediscovered by hobbyists who wanted to know who designed all the awesome, iconic cards from the 90s, all those inserts. She was recently hired by Upper Deck to design sports cards again for the first time in almost 25 years. Let's bring her out. Iconic sports card designer, Gene McLeod, welcome to Sports Card <laughs> Live. How are you tonight, my friend? I'm good. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you for that nice intro. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome, Gene. You're you're very well. It's so cool to have you here. Uh, it was really great to um, it was really great to meet you at the National. A um, couple things happened at the National in terms of uh, of of our interaction. The first one was the Wednesday night. There was the there was an event uh, hosted by Card Ladder and a cup and uh, Rodman's PC and Grant Slayton, who you know, and uh, and it was it was a wonderful event. We got I got to meet you there. We got to talk a little bit. I got I took a picture of you. Uh, you held up a one of your, your ring, which is very um, 
important to the hobby at this point in time. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, it was really great to meet you there. And then fun. also, yeah, and then also um, on the main stage when uh, Upper Deck had you up there and announced that you were uh, coming back into the hobby design sports. How, how right. was the uh, national for you? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I used to go to the national all the time when I worked at FLIR. I hadn't been there in so long. And um, when Upper Deck said they wanted to make the announcement there and would I go, I thought it would be a great time to go and see what is current. I mean, really, I haven't been to a card show in a long time, so it was a lot of fun. And then meeting a lot of people that I've talked to or I've interacted with online, but never met in person. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, it was really fun. Were you, you know, were you surprised with just how busy it was at the show itself compared oh to prior years? Yeah, it was huge. It was really big yeah, compared yeah. to when we used to go in the 90s. I thought it was big then, but it was huge. Yeah, it was yeah, a lot of fun. And even like right after COVID, I wasn't sure if, you know, how how busy it would be, but it was packed. Yeah, it's it's, it's like it's like there was nothing else going on in the world. Just right. the card show. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing ever happened. Right. 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 It was. Well, yeah, it, it was a great event for the hobby and uh, and great just for everybody who are, is really participating to get together, see each other, um, congregate and uh, and really form and, and further the relationship. So um, yeah. which is what led to you being here tonight. Um, so I, I'm grateful for it. So let's let's get into it a little bit. I mean, let's go back in time and uh, and let's understand how did you how did you get into sports card design in the in the 1990s? Um, well, first, Earl and I, um, that's my husband, and he's part of Arena Design, which is our company before I worked at FLIR. And now since I've worked at FLIR, we're back together working Um but at that time, we worked um, for a lot of casinos down in Atlantic City. We worked for an ad agency. That's where we met. And um, we did a lot of work for uh, the Claridge, Trump Plaza, you know, all, all the casinos at the time. And um, mainly we did high roller invitations. So if they wanted to have a high rollers party and they wanted to have some kind of a, a theme for it, we would do these glitzy invitations to get them to want to come in. And so we did a lot of the same stuff, oil stamping, embossing, die cutting, and all that kind of stuff. And then after we left there, we started our own company and we had a few clients, but as with a lot of businesses that are starting out that are small, it was difficult not having one of us have some kind of a steady income. So I said, you know, like, I'm going to apply to a few jobs. I applied. Fleer called me in. Um, Earl was offered a job at the same time. And uh, my brother, who is a card collector, or was back then, um, was like, you have to take that job. Like, no way. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll take it. And it, actually, Fleer at the time was at the, um, it wasn't so much a trading card company as it was a candy company. Like, that was the main focus of the company. Um, but this investment company had taken over them and they wanted to make it a trading card company. And eventually they actually got rid of all the candy. Um, so, you know, it was kind of like getting in on the ground floor of a small trading card company that grew and grew as I was there, you know, a lot. So, so. 
when you were when you, you said that you were working for some casinos in Vegas, what kind of work as a designer were you doing for Atlantic the Atlantic City? Uh, sorry, Atlantic City. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. What kind I wish of? I was uh, in Vegas. What's <laughs> that? I wish I was in Vegas, yeah. but I was in Atlantic City. <laughs> Are you going to Vegas uh, in September for the industry summit? I haven't heard that. No, no, I don't oh, think okay. so. Yeah. Beckett, um, the Beckett Industry like Summit is, is coming up in September here. Um, so in Atlantic City, what yeah. sort of work were you doing for the casinos there? Like um, the we did the, mostly the high roller invitations, but we did also do, you know, they have a lot of light boxes. Like if you go through the casino, there's all these big light boxes. Um, so we did that. We did, you know, anything that they needed designed, uh, billboards, you know, anything really. Okay. And and did you bring much of the, you know, I think you, I think you mentioned like die cut and that, did you bring a lot of the techniques from in, from the invitations into sports cars? I guess what I'm asking is, do we, do we as a hobby need to thank Atlantic city high roller invitations for what we now know and love uh, in sports cards? Well, I wanted to bring out some and show you, but it's been so long. I couldn't get my hands on them. But um, I mean, when I went, on my interview, that was mostly at FLIR. That was mostly what was in my portfolio at that time. So when they saw it, they were like, oh, okay. You know, some of this stuff we could definitely see in trading cards. So I would say, I mean, yeah, that was definitely a precursor to what trading cards were. And if I could show you some of them, you would see like, Yes, they were super glitzy. Like we wound up doing a flare. So yeah, I would say we definitely brought that into our card work. Okay, so now now we can, it's, it's always nice to know what inspires uh, these things. We'll get into some more specific inspirations a little bit a little bit later. And just a a little bit of a heads up for everybody. Uh, we are Gene does have some cards to show us that uh, never made it into into products, like some concept designs. Yeah, uh, that are that are really cool. And then she's going to do a trick. I think I can call it a trick. Gene's gonna do a trick with the noise boys that no one that no one's oh. probably ever. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll call it a trick. But, but okay, so we're gonna we're gonna switch up and uh, talk about what it was like working at Fleer and Skybox and and some other things there. Uh, but before we do, let's just say hi to a few people. We're not gonna go through all the comments, but uh, Tony Sin was in here earlier, said that this was the interview of the year. So Tony, welcome and thank you very much. Thank you very much, Studio Sports. Good evening to you. We got Dennis Lescombe back. We got Lapper in the house. Jordan says, I'm the man. What's up? What's up with you? Great to have you. Studio, uh, what does he say? Best few dollars I can spend in a week supporting the channel. Thank you so much, Studio Sports. Greatly, greatly appreciated. Brendan, hello. Jeff, hello. Christina from House of Jordans, who you know. Hi, Jean. Excited to hear the podcast. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, Christina. We got Sam in the house. Al, Jeremy S. Victor, the, hockey, the rookie card specialist is here. Good evening to you. One of one says, when it comes to legendary and iconic people in the industry, I would choose Gene McLeod as a mentor if given the choice. This is, hey, that's really great. Thank you, one of one, for being here. Great to see you. Jordan, I think when we brought you out, Jordan said, everyone should stand up and start clapping right now. That's uh, that'd, be, that'd be pretty funny. That's Thank you for that, Jordan. <laughs> Ian Undercover was telling my coworker about her yesterday. So people are talking about you, Gene. People are talking about you. That, that's uh, That's great. He is a huge Upper Deck fan. Very awesome. Hello, Cardboard Max. Yamwax in the house. Good evening, Yam. Your news is a hobby highlight of 2021. That's true. It is. It was uh, the news being the, the Upper Deck deal and you uh, coming back into the design game. Definitely a highlight of 2021. For me, too. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> great. 
Ryan wants to hear the inspiration behind PMGs and their numbering. We will get to that. I promise you, Ryan, we will get to that. Good day, Global. Good day, Rage. We got Jordan Hagedorn here, good friend of yours, says, great hey, to entertain us nerds. That's right. Hello, Jordan, and <laughs> welcome. And and as we'll find out later, Jordan is, is partially uh, to thank for you being back in, in, in the public. So uh, we all should be thanking Jordan a little bit. Skeppy, good evening. Colin, hello. And Alf Godet, welcome to the show tonight. All right. Well, that was nice. So let's talk about your your days at FLIR. Like, uh, I guess just just go. Just let us hear what was it like working there, and yeah, speak to okay. that. Um. Well, I mean, when I first started and when I left, were completely different companies. But when I first started, um, they had just been purchased. It was a family owned business for forever, and um you know, it was mainly a candy company with trading cards as a side business. And then it be obviously flipped. So they eventually got rid of the candy department. Um, but that's what I worked on when I first started there, the candy, um, packaging and I did razzles and that was fun. And then once they saw that design, they were like, well, let's start getting you into trading cards. Um, and at the time, really, all they did was the FLIR brand, and then they had just started the Ultra brand. So those were the only two brands that they had. They had all four sports at the time. Um, and eventually, we did wind up doing NASCAR and X Games and other stuff. But at the time, they did the four main hockey, basketball, baseball, football. Um, so uh, at that time... I had just started to like get into, you know, we were able to help with naming, um, seating ratios and all that stuff. But eventually by the mid nineties, it was way too big. And so there was a whole department that, um, that we called like a bullpen, you know, where the four guys sports information guys, but really they were product managers, um, would, sit in there and they would brainstorm and they would come up with the seating ratios and the names of the sets and um, who was going to be in the set, that type of thing. And they also knew all of our licensing restrictions with how many times you can use a player and all that. So they determined all that. And then they would give that to me. And I was basically in charge of what is this card going to look like? What is the printing technology you know, the thickness of the stock, what stocks are we using? Is there die cuts, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I would look at that and I would say, what can I design in house? And um, what would I be giving to Earl? Because Earl was an outside um, vendor. So he had a contract with FLIR. So we would give him a lot of the work. And so we kind of worked together. He would give me the designs back or I would have designed internally. And if he gave me designs, I would, I would look at it and I'd be like, Oh, I kind of like this new stock I have. And I love this design that he did. So we would marry the two. So really it was kind of a collaboration between the two of us. Um, And when I first started, because it was so small, I think that's why they allowed us such free reign. Like we were allowed to 
experiment and do really whatever we wanted because we never did anything that they really didn't like. So they were always kind of letting us do more and more on our own. And I think as the company grew, because that was how we started, they just allowed that to continue. Whereas like now I talk to people who work in other companies and really that's not how they work. I mean, they're not really allowing the designers to do whatever they want, but when we were there, they, they pretty much gave us free reign, which was super nice as a designer. Yeah. And uh, we had high budgets and fun there, stuff to work on. Was there a, a design that you came up with? You talk about free reign and you could do whatever you want. Was there a design that you kind of came up with that you thought might be kind of pushing the limits that you were surprised that they allowed you to do or that they were willing to do? Something that that really you're like, well, okay, well, we're, we can do this. Now Now it kind of maybe would have expanded the, the, the breadth of what you could do and you maybe entered into some new territory from there? Um, it happened all the time. Like when we did the metal universe um, with all the illustrations, I thought they were going to think that's crazy. And some people who, some collectors did actually think that, but internally they liked the idea. And at that time we were owned by Marvel. So it was kind of a nice melding of the two. And we did entertainment um, cards. So it was kind of nice to meld those two divisions together so they allowed that which i was surprised yeah. and then when we got to ex i think i never thought that that would actually come together because that was such a difficult card to produce um but i worked with our printers i knew what i wanted and i worked with the printers and they were you know really helpful and they were the ones that really got it together and were able to um work it out that that we could produce what we wanted. So I was happy with that. So cool. So cool. So uh, there, there's a point in time where Fle you transitioned from FLIR to Skybox or Skybox acquired FLIR or vice versa yeah. and, and Marvel. Marvel. How did that all shake out? What, what was the story there? Um, well, Marvel bought FLIR in 92. So it was pretty early on. Um, but they weren't involved, you know, they, they purchased us and then we eventually started doing, um, entertainment cards, like Marvel cards. That was a whole separate part of the company. And actually they had a whole other floor, so we didn't really interact that much. Um, and then once they bought us, I guess like three years later in 95, they, um, purchased Skybox and Skybox was in the South, I'm trying to think North Carolina or South Carolina. And they moved um, a lot of the people from there up to FLIR. And we've kind of melded those two companies together. But okay. it, was, it was 92 and 95. Okay. And was there, once the, in the 95 uh, deal, was did that kind of open things up more? Did it allow you more creative freedom or, or, or the other way? Um, well, what it did was because we had more brands, we didn't have to, we kind of delineated, delineated the two companies by one was going to be more traditional, which was FLIR because that, that had been existence longer. We had collectors that were very traditional, especially in baseball. And then, um, Skybox, we, 
they already had brands that were a little bit more out there and fun. So we just kind of ran with that. And that was really the brands that I liked working on, <laughs> you know, Z force and Circa and BX and metal molten metal. Like all those are fun yeah. to me for, I mean, ultra is nice and flair. I mean, I loved working on them, but you know, we really could, have fun with the other with the skybox brands yeah yeah, you, yeah yeah some some great stuff there um you mentioned ultra peep says to bring back flare ultra if upper deck is is watching listening bring back flare ultra please thank you very <laughs> much uh a couple quite we're gonna go to a couple questions here from the chat trigger finger uh, says uh gene what are some of your favorite designs over the past decade so you mentioned you were at the national you you kind of looked around a bit and um did anything stick out to you cards from the last year, the, the last 10 years or so that you thought were really cool? Um, I can't say um, particularly because I was just kind of looking in general. And actually, I, that's where I'm at right now, just doing a lot of research and trying to figure out what's out there. I did see a lot of kind of the chromium technology um, and that. I, I had no idea that that was kind of how all the trading card companies had gone. Um, so that was interesting, but I mean, they're nice. I really liked them. Um, I just, I think I, I, I want to just try to do some new stuff and something a little bit different. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there, Oh, well I do like, I mean, I love the idea of what tops is doing where they're using some, um, artists and and getting more art into the cards i love that yeah for sure are you surprised at all or what what are your thoughts on the 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 amount of parallels so you know you you mentioned all the chromium that you saw so we're yeah. talking about panini prism tops chrome opg platinum that sort of thing are you surprised or did you even notice how many different parallels each of these cards have and what do you what what are your thoughts on that? You take a base card and then you just change the you change the stock or the the frame, the background with different patterns. Or do you like that as a as a creative sort of uh, expression? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's basically what we did with that with metal and PMGs are kind of like that. I do like that. I mean, I don't mind that. I like a little bit more on the inserts. I really love inserts. Um, and I, I like the idea of maybe paralleling inserts and, um, but you know, collectors like the extremely limited stuff. So, you, you know, you have to find ways to do that. I think we've been thinking of some really fun things to do with parallels instead of just switching out the foils. There's some other stuff, you know, I'm hope I don't want to say anything. And I, yeah. I'm hoping that upper deck is open to some of the stuff that we have in mind i i got hey they hired you for a reason i i hope they are too uh <laughs> i like this question i wouldn't have thought to ask you this one but i like this question from rally al once so how would you design a local card shop and i think you know i don't i don't know the context of the question or, or the intent behind the question but to me it's like we have we have our traditional local card shops you know you usually walk in there's some showcases a, a counter more showcases yeah. stuff hanging on the wall have you ever thought about this? Can you answer this question? Any ideas? Oh, geez, no. I I mean, 
I've been to so many card shops and they do tend to look the same, <laughs> but I hear that there's some really cool card shops out there now. So, I mean, I would, I've seen some um, videos of some that have these cases that have cards that rotate and have really cool lighting on them. And, you know, I think it's nice that they're starting to kind of change things up even in a card shop. Yeah, there are, I've seen some, uh, sort of conceptual uh, renderings of some shops that are coming in the near future and people are really trying to take it to the next level, which, which I think is cool, uh, yeah. which brings me to, we're going to, we're going to go with the, the chat right now. I mean, I've got a page full of questions for you as, as you are aware of Gene, but um, I want to come to this one here. Uh, my, my new guy, Skeppy here, he wants to know, please explain the differences and elaborate on the challenges you face when transitioning. And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing of course, between conceptual art and production ready art? Um, I'm trying to think exactly what they mean. You mean when we design something and then we actually have to get it into production to get, um, to get it into the cards? I don't know. It's not my question. So well, I'm I mean, like if I, okay, so we had talked about this. Like maybe I would bring up some, like when we first, started to go from the bordered card on EX to the non-bordered card, which kind of had the floating player on it. Um, the, the following year after that card, we wanted to do something really different. So we have some concepts here that, that were never produced, but this was one that, um, so we wanted to die cut the entire outside. So it would be an odd shape instead of a, square um and we never could get that to work like it was already so hard to get from the bordered card to the non-bordered card and then the next year when i came up with this they were like okay that's just too much so like sometimes you come up with a concept and you love it but you just can't find a way to make it work and sometimes you come up with a concept and you think you like it and then you see the final card and it's way better than you anticipated so you just never know, you know. Yeah. That's just the nature of design, I guess. Uh, Jordan just wants to say that, uh, you know, your work is transcendent. We love the cards of the time, but we were too close to it to appreciate how great it really was, which I completely agree with and regret that I didn't realize it back then. Uh, <laughs> so cool to hear the stories behind the cards firsthand, which is uh, 100%, uh, I think, the the, the feeling of, of most people here right now. So thanks for that, Jordan. Um, Mike Wick says the 96 Metal Universe still has so much eye appeal and I'm having a lot of people looking for them more and more over the last few months. Yeah, very, very popular. And, and Rally Al says this, with, with respect to designing store, it needs a makeover. Think Apple Store interactivity, which is kind of what I was thinking. And I've heard some, uh, some you know, rumblings about that kind of a, a store setup in certain uh, areas of, of, the, of the U.S. So we, we could definitely see that. Now we're going to go to Michael Corbley. Uh, you mentioned Tops earlier. Do you see doing something similar to Tops Project 2020 and Project 70? And to take it a step further, did Tops talk to you or were you involved in any discussions with them to be a Tops Project artist at all? Um, not a Tops Project artist. I mean, I know people who work at Tops that used to work at FLIR. Um, I know people at Panini. So, I mean, I would say we have, um, you know, in those 20 years, We've talked to people, but Upper Deck was the first company to really say 
to give us a project. And then after that project to say, we want to, you know, get behind you guys. We really want to give you leeway to work in the industry again. And I'm, you know, I'm just really happy to them for allowing us to get back into it. Yeah. Very cool. And yeah. Milan, Milan is a, a, a notorious, uh, currently a, a Derek Jeter collector, but was a big Kobe Bryant collector. He's got an amazing collection. I've had him on the show. He's got a wall filled with cards that you designed. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, as he says, late nineties are eternal as far as the hobby <laughs> goes. Great to see you Milan. So I, I want to know what was the first, what was, when you first started designing, what was the first set that you completely designed yourself? Um, I remember I worked on a, a FLIR football set, but I would say the set that we, um, were in on the ground floor, as far as, um, starting from scratch, like the football set I worked on was a FLIR set, but when FLIR came along, they said to us, this is a brand new, you know, ultra premium set that we never, they've never done a $5 pack set believe it or not, $5 was a lot then. <laughs> and, sounds, um, sounds so ridiculous now. I know. And then they, so they said, what would that look like? And so Earl and I were given the task to um, determine what is that card going to be and, and make sure that it seemed like a $5 pack set. So we looked at stocks and packaging and coatings and foils and adding photography. Actually, back then, adding photography was a big part of making a card um, more, seem more valuable because photography, you know, costs a lot, costs the companies a lot. So we did like three photographs and, you know, kind of faded them into each other and we wanted it to seem very upscale and we used um, scripts and really went all out on the packaging and, um, so once you added all of those things up, I think um, we thought it was a value for $5. And so that set was just so much fun to work on. And I would say that would be the first set that I felt totally invested in right from and, the ground. Okay. That's, that's, that's cool. And let's go a step further. So what was the first set that you, if you can recall, what was the first set that you designed back then? Uh, and let's go insert set that really resonated with collectors that you, you were get, like, you well, were hearing through the, through the, yeah. through the channel. I was going through some um, cards to, to talk about. And I, I remembered that the, one of the first sets that I remember being really big was um, this uh, Padman. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but the, this, the Padman is like die cut out. Um, and so that was like something that they took year after year. The other one that I can remember was, um, hot gloves in baseball. Yeah. And they, so they carried that year after year. And I, on our Instagram, we've posted about it, like the different years and what we, you know, how we tried to make them a little bit different. Um, so I would say those two sets are the first ones that I remember them saying people really like you know, I really want these particular inserts. So, okay. We're getting some great questions here. So, so the pad men that you just showed, I know mm -hmm. that uh, in, in 2014 or 15, upper deck kind of re re-released a design uh, inspired by that one. That. 
<laughs> Pardon me? I haven't seen those. No. No. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's different, but it's still, you know, it's still reminiscent of those ones. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty cool. So I couple, I'm just going to go to some comments here quick. Matt Jones is today Saturday. It is not Matt, but uh, this is the one time I had to switch up the nights. Couldn't do tomorrow, but didn't want to go a week without doing something. So we are here tonight instead. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Jo uh, sorry, that one was we did. Josh Dawson, my favorite card ever made is 97 Ultra Stars Gold Basketball Michael Jordan. Is this a card that you, when it's mentioned, do you can you up? Uh, you remember this one? Think of what beautiful card. I don't remember what it looks like. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You're put on the spot. You don't have to. Um, here, Mike Wick says, "What is your favorite set that you ever designed?" Um, that I designed, or I mean, when Earl designed something, I think of it as hours so that's fine um, that's fine so there are a lot of set i mean of course i love jambalaya i just love how that turned out um it's nice to know and that, that was that a yeah i have one of those here um that was a set that earl designed and when he bought it in right away i i remembered um a stock that i had this this lenticular stock that i thought would look really nice on that and then the die cutting and it, I just think marrying those two things together are what made that card. And actually those are probably all my favorite cards are the cards that the kind of technology married with design and, and work together rather than just being kind of gimmicky or, you know, a really nice design on its own. I like the combination of those two things. So like I do love golden touch. Like I love this, um, can you see that? Yes, can see that very well right now. So this has, you know, a stock that I really like. It's embossed. It has another foil stamping. It's die cut. I mean, it has all the bells and whistles that I like. And I think that the the design just um, marries together with the technology. And so those tend to be my favorite cards. So I so here's a question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a Trigger Fingers question here, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further. Can you give us some insight into your creative process? So on that right there, you just mentioned that sometimes Earl would come up with a design, and then you would you would kind of take it from there and kind of determine what sort of stock you would use, what bells and whistles you might add to it. With yeah. respect to the jambalaya, when Earl designed that card, mm -hmm. do you know what his like? Did he see it? in his mind as just a, a card on regular stock with those colors and that design uh, did, did like, did he add the thick black border around the outside that you ended yeah. up die cutting? Yeah, that was, that was in the original design. Um, and it actually was in that shape. So he had intended a die cut, but sometimes he doesn't even know what I'm going to do with it. So like when I, we got samples in it at, at um, FLIR, I would, bring them home and sometimes he'd be like oh I had no idea you were putting it on that stock and so I remember him really liking um how those turned out so yeah it was a strong design to me like I liked that black border although they try to get us to avoid black borders and um just the the strong I really like typography so that strong type going up the center I think just really yeah it's just a card that i was drawn to 
It was so nice. So what about the rest of Trigger Fingers question here? Does it take hours, weeks, contemplating a variety of concepts and maybe even some wine? Or do you know what you want to do right away? Oh, I, I, I think it takes a long time. It really does. I mean, we wind up, I mean, we're, when I was working at FLIR, and probably that's the way it will work again now that we're doing work more than one project for um, Upper Deck, you just start to look at everything that you look at. You you think, oh, this could be kind of a cool card. Or maybe we're at a restaurant and I see a menu and I, I like the stock that it's printed on. Or you just don't know when you're going to be inspired. And then when we, like this last set that we just did for Upper Deck, it was probably three months to get that set done. There were 13 designs that we had. We had the base card and then like another 12 inserts and parallels on top of that and all that. So it's probably like three months to design that set. What what is your favorite card stock that you've that you've used that you maybe that you didn't use that you've seen since then? Is there is there one that you just really love working with? Um, I do like that lenticular um, stock, but probably, I mean, I love I love plastics. Um, there's just something about that clear. I don't know. I just really like. Uh, the dimensionality of that. I don't know. I'm hoping to find something I really like coming up, <laughs> something new. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know if this is a, this must, must be a relative, but Morgan Arena says that Duncan Go Nuts are my favorite. <laughs> That's my daughter. That's your daughter. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Morgan. Great to, great to have you. Shay, yeah. who's going to, Shay, who will be joining me later tonight, says 97 basketball credentials are still a grail chase of mine in all caps. So he is very passionate about that. Shay, great to have you. And Sebastian, we will, we already kind of talked about that earlier uh, in terms of creative freedom. So you can always go back and rewind. Um, here's a question from Ian. Did you feel there was one sport that worked particularly well with your style of card design? Basketball, 100% basketball. I mean, just because baseball was so traditional and um, I don't know, like whenever we did something really fun, they were always like, oh, let's save that for basketball. And <laughs> when I look back, I mean, I think we designed more for basketball. I don't know what, um, why we did so many basketball. I don't know if we did more basketball sets or what, but when I look back at my cards, I, I tend to have more of um basketball designs than than we did any other sport i i mean we stopped hockey early on so but yeah definitely basketball plus yeah. it just lends itself to that kind of fun design and having a little bit more color and i don't know <laughs> well hey it, it's kind of evident too because the the 90s basketball insert sort of led, led the way for this uh, whole resurgence of, of 90s inserts overall. I wonder I wonder if it wasn't for basketball taking off first if baseball, football and hockey even though maybe not a lot of your stuff would have uh would have followed but it really has. Um, well, I'm I am looking forward to working on a basketball I mean a hockey set coming up and you know, I always loved hockey photography just because it's it's on the ice, it's bright, it's like it's always just so I don't I always like the hockey photography so i'm just really looking forward to working on a hockey set again that'll be fun i can't wait either um <laughs> so okay now milan and i we're thinking a lot because milan i was just about to ask her my question reads 
what is your what, what type of what is your favorite type of stock that you haven't used before that you'd like to use? And then Milan, right when I was going to ask it, he says, can you think of a material stock or finish that has not been seen yet? Something that you might consider trying? Um, well, knowing that we were going to be working on sets coming up, I started going to paper companies and, and kind of asking for that. So I have found a, a few things that I think will be kind of cool. I'm not sure how expensive they are, if they'll fit into the budget. So that's always a, an issue. But this is one card that I was showing Jeremy earlier. This was a, um, a card that we designed and we had a sample made. And this actually has like a, I don't know if you could see, but it's like a mood ring. So you can see my fingers are hot and they're changing the color of the card. So if it's just sitting down, it's black. And then as soon as you start touching it, this happens, which I think is really cool. But it's kind of like if this goes into a slab, is anybody going to touch it? And does it, you know, so it's kind of, is it worth the expense of that now that everybody puts their cards in slabs? So exactly, we would that have to kind of weigh way out whether or not that's worth it i mean that's been a big change from the 90s till today i mean you know yeah some pe many people didn't play with their cards too much even back then but nowadays you know people wear gloves when they open packs they're straight from the pack into the sleeves never never to to touch a human hand again until yeah. until grading um you know what are your thoughts on that as far and how does that if i mean you just sort of explained it but do you see that affecting your creative process in a significant way? Because what you just showed yeah. is that that's a really nice card, but people aren't going to want to touch it to, right. to enjoy it. They that. wouldn't even know. They would think it's a black card. Um, I mean, I would, I don't know if Nat's going to mind me saying this, but like one time Nat Turner was at our office and um, we had out the, uh, let's see what cards were they, the Noise Boys. Right. Oh, and this, we had talked about this. So this so, is, let me just say, th are you about to do that trick that we were talking about? Yeah. Okay. Okay. She's going to do a trick <laughs> with the noise boys guys. Well, well her, so, get to it. you know, we were looking at them and I said, you know, what I always found interesting about these cards is that like on the Jambalaya, it's the same kind of stock. It's a lenticular stock, but because that was in uh, EX, right. That was an EX set. So the thickness of the EX cards were pretty thick. So we were able to take that stock and laminate it to a card stock and that gave it rigidity. But the stock itself, that lenticular stock is, is very just pliable. So these were put into thunder, which was um, a much thinner card. So I couldn't add the, the stock behind it because you would detect them in the, in the pack. They had to be the same thickness. So, these, I said, you know, like what I find incredible about these is that they're like literally just so flexible <laughs> because they don't have that card stock on the, behind them. So, and he said, I again, never knew show that. Again, show again just how much you okay. can bend these cards. Like, look, yeah. that's, that's the trick, crazy. guys. That's the trick. You can bend noise boys. Who, who knew that? But he why, said, why I never don't... knew that because all he said, I have a set of those, but they're all, they were slabbed. They're so slabbed. he never even knew that. It was like that. And I said, you know, I never even thought of that. So there's probably things we could get away with on cards. Like, cause I, I thought people might be disappointed in that, but now people don't even know that. And then I, I think that there's stuff that I 
definitely would stay away from like maybe that um that mood ring card because it really wouldn't make sense to for the expense of that yeah if people aren't even gonna ever touch them so not yeah it, it really doesn't uh, at this point in time that's something that you have you need i guess you need to take into consideration as you're yeah. coming up with concepts uh these days for in the 2020s um, yeah i would never have thought of that back then because people did get cards graded but it was rare it wasn't like it is now not like it is today yeah a uh, quick thank you to jeff cow for the uh super sticker thank you very much very much appreciated jeff uh, Cardboard Insight says, one of my favorite sets is the Essential Credentials set. What was the inspiration behind the unique numbering with the Credentials Futures and the Credentials Now? Um, well, like I said earlier, there was that bullpen of um, product managers. So, Can you name? Can you name any of those guys or, um, or gals? Well, Mike Phillips from Upper Deck was one of those guys. Um, and J.D., no, DJ Kazmierski, who is at Panini. He was one of those guys. And um, so they would, you know, they'd sit around and they'd talk about that. So I'm not sure that was not on me. I just designed what it looked like. I determined, you know, I had that um, that glow edge stock that I just really loved. And I had been waiting for something to put that on. And so when they needed a parallel for that, I thought, okay this will be good for that. Yeah. So. And so, it was an expensive stock. So, and it was such a limited number. It worked out like perfectly for that. Yeah. I think it's just, it, you know, just need a, that the guys who were product managers back in the day or, you know, coming up with concepts and, and are still in the, are still working in the hobby. Mike Phillips is a yeah. senior VP at upper deck and uh, DJ is, I'm not sure what his exact title is, but he's, you know, he's been at a Panini for a while. I think he's in a senior type position. It's yeah. kind of neat that every that, that there's still so many people in the hobby. When, now that you're back in, are you are you kind of did it make it almost easier for you, or just did you reach out and ask some people like what's it like to be still working in in, in sports cards? Did it make it more comfortable? Um, well, Mike was the one that that um, contacted us from upper deck. So, and I, I had known Mike, so, you know, he, I've kind of stayed in it. Like Mike and I've kept in touch. Um, I've kept in touch with a lot of people from FLIR, but no, I mean, I wouldn't say that I, I reached out to anybody and said, what's it like? I'm just thinking, you know, what can we do differently? I'm always kind of like trying to do things a little bit different rather than Hey, let's see what we're doing and and tweak it. I'd rather almost like start from scratch and do something really different. Yeah. I mean, like how we got back into the hobby, I think was um like how Mike found us was by we we were interviewed by SB Nation. Somebody called our office and said they were from SB Nation. Um and they said, you know, there's a bunch of people in the office that collect cards. And we started thinking about like, and they were of the age where they would have collected in the nineties. And they said, we started thinking about those cards. So we looked it up and because we have cards on our website, it came up and they found us and they said, can we interview you? So we did a, you know, a short little interview with them. It was, um, it wasn't a, you know, a video or anything. It was an article that they wrote. And then 
um, Grant Slayton saw that interview and he contacted us and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a big collector of your cards. And, and that was actually the first time a few people contacted us right after that. He asked us to do a logo for his bar. Um, so we did that, which was fun. But that was the first time I started thinking, oh, people are interested in who did these cards. Um, I knew that the values had been going up because people that I used to work with were contacting us. and um, But I didn't know that people would be interested in who did the cards. So, you know, that was the first person that did that. And then kind of Jordan, oh, then I think Grant did the interview with um, Carver Chronicles. And he mentioned that article and that he had um, contacted us in, in that interview. So then Jordan Hagedorn, who does for the hobby, he saw that interview and he contacted us and said, I have, you know, I have a project. Can I come over? So he actually came to our office and he introduced us to Josh of Cardboard Chronicles. And then we did that interview, but this is taking forever. Like we did the interview with SB nation in 2015. And by the time we did the Cardboard Chronicles, it was like 2019. So that was like four years to get to that stage. And then after that, of course, more people saw that and, um, uh, you know, and then Mike saw that interview from Upper Deck and he contacted us and said, can you do our, um, every year they have a, a conference that they do East Coast, West Coast for their dealers, uh, their diamond dealers. So that he said, can you do that? Come down here. We own all those brands that you're talking about in that interview, you know, all the Fleer brands. And can you come down and maybe speak to the people at the conference? So I did that. And then, um, you know, things just, oh, and then also at that time we started doing a lot more on our Instagram where we started posting a lot about the cards and the technologies and our thoughts and stuff. And I'm like, this is funny. Like people just love to hear all that. And I, I don't mind talking about it cause it was a fun time and, um, you know, we still like the cards, so it's all just kind of snowballed. And have you, like, have you had a lot of other collectors or not a lot, but even some other collectors reach out to you? Like, are you now, are you able to help collectors identify cards that, you know, your cards have been counterfeited. They've been copied yeah. certain designs you made. Yeah. Uh, I guess, what do you think of that? And are you, are you the best possible authenticator of, of these, some of these cards? I mean, when people reach out, I do try to help them. I mean, it's really hard um, without seeing the cards and touching the cards. And in the beginning, people were sending me cards and I was like, oh, that's fake. You could tell right away. But now they've gotten just so sophisticated. And really there's cards that I thought that they could never duplicate that, that they're coming pretty close to. Um, I think it's a, you know, obviously it's a shame that people are doing that, but, um, you know, when there's money involved, that's always going to happen. But yes, people have reached out. I mean, 
we've had collectors think that they have some rare version of something like when um, Duncan go nuts, some of them started yellowing. People were saying, Oh, there's a gold version. Did you guys, when did you guys do the gold version? And I said, that's not a gold version. <laughs> I think it's your, the plastic is yellowing. I mean, that, that does happen um, with things as they age and um, not all of them are yellowing, but some of them are. And so like, stuff like that, or we had somebody contact us and say, you know, I think this is a rare version where the red wasn't put down, but as I looked at it, I was like, no, I think that was left out in the sun and the red is the first thing. Magenta is the first color to go when anything is left out in the sun. See, that's, so, that right, I gotta stop you right there because that yeah. right there, what you just said, magenta is the first color to go when it's left out in the sun. I don't know how I wouldn't have known that. I don't know if anyone in the chat would you have known that like that. That's a great uh, kind of piece of information for us to have in our back pocket for when you are looking at a card at a show or, or wherever on 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 the on any sales platform. And you see something looks funny. If you can tell that the, that the magenta or the red is gone. Yeah, that it's likely that it was left out in the sun and it's not a special parallel or or right. an error where the where the magenta just didn't ever come down. Well, and this was on a jambalaya card. So, I mean, that's half orange. So the red gone in that is obvious, <laughs> you know, it was half yellow. So, um, yeah. And then the second color to go is yellow. So usually what you're left with is green, blue, and black. Right. Like that's what everything kind of starts to look like. Yeah. So if anything looks like that, it's faded in the sun. <laughs> yeah. So I got, okay, we're going to keep on this. Tyler says, uh, it's crazy. I don't even know if everyone knows magenta is a color, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, and here, Tony says, any way to prevent the yellowing? Now, we did have an earlier conversation about that. And uh, I got to tell you, the reason that that some are yellowing, as far as Duncan Go Nuts go, are, sorry, the reason that some yellow and some don't, uh, was not what I expected. Can you explain this? I think people are going to find this really interesting. I mean, yeah, I I had a set at one point, and when I pulled them out, two of them had yellowed and eight had not. Or, you know, like, it's not really, I don't believe, I mean, probably sometimes leaving them out might affect that, but generally plastic is made of chemicals and yellowing is a natural part of that. And when they mix the plastics, certain chemicals are going to be more prevalent in certain areas of a sheet. So you might have a sheet that has even half the card is yellow and half is not because it's just more of a particular, a chemical in that portion of the sheet. So, um, you know, I wish that, Back then we were pushing the envelope on technologies and playing with things. And um, I was not thinking about longevity of cards because one, I didn't know they were gonna be this valuable. And two, you know, I wasn't even realizing that that plastic was gonna yellow like that or something like that. But um, I, I would definitely be thinking about that now, you know, like, because cards now are even more valuable to begin with, like right when you buy them. So I think, you know, we have to start thinking about stuff like that. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought it was, I thought, and I, I'm going to guess, I don't want to speak for everyone in the chat or in the hobby for that matter. I think most people think that cards yellow because they're left out in the sun or in yeah, the Yeah, I think that they're, they think there's a way to prevent it. And, I, you know, maybe there is, um, not that I know of. So it's like, it's, if you have a Dunkin' Go Nuts that isn't yellow, it may never, well, never yeah, say never, never, but go. it, it yeah. It may not ever get as yellow as some that you've seen. And the ones that you've seen were just heavier in the yellowing chemical than the sheet uh, of ones that weren't. So that, that's that's pretty, uh, really interesting. And it, it, I think if you have one that isn't yellow, you can be pretty happy or even a little confident that it might be a while until it does go yellow. Well, at first, I thought it was the UV coating, but it's actually the plastic. Okay, okay. Yeah, really, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, Teapot, welcome. Says, just got here. I have to go back and watch the rest. So excited here. Gene is back in the game, no doubt. This is funny. Fun Pan says, I bought a box once that still smells like Player's Light. I mean, Player's Light, a lot of people might not even know what Player's Light is. It's a cigarette, it's a cigarette <laughs> oh, <okay>. brand. <laughs> <laughs> too funny, too funny. Okay, so I want to know, you know, we, we talked about favorite stocks. What looking back on your portfolio of designs and insert sets from the nineties. And I know you love your jambalaya, but what, what's your absolute favorite? Is, is it essential credentials? Is it, is it jambalaya? Is it something different? Is there something that you just think is totally funky and awesome? I mean, when I look at cards, I like cards for a different reason than you probably like cards. Explain like, that please. I mean, I look at it and I remember all it took to get to a point. So like when I look at Metal Universe, I like, I love the base cards of that more than the PMGs because you see the illustrations and I just, it just took so much to get to that point. And all the etching is done to those illustrations so when the PMGs, I, I mean, I really like the PMGs because they stood out in a pack. Like, that's what we really wanted you to know that you got something totally different than the base card. But the base cards I love because that's how much I put way more time into that. So with like EX, um, those cards took me forever to get to a point where we could print them. And um, so I just really love those cards. Earl has his favorites that are different than mine. Um, he loves Jambalaya. He likes um, Golden Touch. Let's see. Oh, his Earl's favorites are more like this, like all of the ones that have a ton of color, a lot of graphics, just really a lot of fun. So I would say like most of his in favorite inserts are like that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think oh this is one of my other favorites and probably because the same thing technology marries with um design the rage. so i mean i just love that stock i love the the matte silver on it i like the black that comes in on the sides you know that... and then once it was on that mirrored copper i just think it it made that card come to life that rave card was it was it meant to be die cut? Because it kind of looks like the black with the black there. It might have uh, meant to be die cut, but wasn't. Any any? Uh... Um, I don't remember on this one. I don't think so. 
Um, there were cards. Let's see. This. Um, let's see. Do I have one? I know I have one here. It's the um, the Soul of the Game cards. Those yeah. those were meant to be die cut. Um, yeah. but with the budget, it didn't work. Like the I don't know the seating ratio on that, but um, it just didn't work on that. So I just I just picked up this card uh, last weekend, a week ago today, actually at a, at a local card shop, a local card show, actually. And I just you know I don't collect the player. I just but it's it, it wasn't expensive, but I just grabbed it. You yeah, just showed the, the Earl, one of Earl's favorites. Yeah, you showed yeah. the Earl card, and it made me think of this. Like this yes. is just. I love I love the looks of it. I, I just had to had to acquire it, you know. I'd prefer it be a MJ or a Shaq or something like that, but right. I mean, Patrick Ewing's okay. But I just love the colors and the foil and the, the bold graphic. Like well, when he did those graphics, they were actually a straight like um basketball and net. It, it was just a straight, and then he added this kind of warped um filter to it. And I think that really just added the movement and really played with that foil. Yeah. Yeah. I hope everyone like can see too. that. It's really cool. It's, it's see, but that that lends itself to basketball. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when you put something like that in baseball, they would be like, mm, I don't know about that for baseball. <laughs> but yeah. It's, this is a scoring king. So we've seen some other scoring kings, but this is, to me, this yeah. is the, the coolest one. I have a couple I just pulled out. These are cards that I just picked up last weekend. This one... You can tell me, uh, oh, this is, is this one of yours? This might not be one of yours. I don't, this is NBA hoops. You did some hoop stuff. Yeah, we did some hoops. This one here? What year is that? No, well, I don't know. I don't remember this, that one. Yeah, this is 95. That would be a year that I did. It could be, you know, um, when I was pregnant with our daughter, I'm trying to think, she was born in 96. And when I was pregnant with our son, Earl actually went into work for me. So we kind of switched roles and I stayed home and he went in for me during my, when I was out, because he was the most, you know, he knew so much about the, the products that we were working on. It was just easy for him to take to, over for me. Here's another one of his that he would like is similar to that. Oh, yes. Yes power in the key so i yeah. love that card i've never owned one but i bought one from the next year i don't know if it's the next year or the year before i bought one thinking it was a foil surface it came in and it wasn't it was just a straight you know shine uh very nice surface but not foil and uh so i was, like. was kind of not, not misled but i thought yeah. oh well, they did power in the key foil surface you just one naturally year. They, thought it was yeah i thought it <laughs> yeah. was too and i couldn't tell the difference from the image uh when, when i bought it so um, yeah yeah, here's another. I also card. like these. Like, I love typography. So, like, I like, you know, these. Yes. Um, this has like a clear. Uh, it was a film that they lay down on top of it, and I just like all the type in there that moves around, and it's just kind of fun. And that's actually you. one I'm surprised that that got through. That people, you know, internally were like they like that. So. Well, that reminds me of, I think it's the hot numbers. That's the 3D lenticular sort of yeah. card. Yeah. I love that set. 
So let's let's move to that. I want to talk about like sort of inspiration for for these cards because I know that you you've got you know your inspirations for these and people have asked in the chat. Um, I'm just because I'm holding this card though. Is this one of yours? I picked this up uh, last Saturday as well. It's a yeah. What's it called? It's called Touchdown King. It's a Joe Montana. Nice yeah. foil. Like I, I love. This. I can tell that's an early one. What year is that? Ninety four. Yeah, I could tell that's earlier because we used to do a logo for all of our um, inserts at that time. So, so like, like this guy right here. Yeah, there's like a little logo there. And when I look back at the early cards, we we tend to have logos, and somehow we got away from that. <laughs> but those were kind of fun to work on. Yeah, that's a really cool. Um, inspiration. I mean, I, I when I look at the cards, I I see that we have a lot of themes. So one is definitely um planets and universe kind of stuff and i have a ton like i started pulling them out and i was like wait a minute we did so many of these different ones like early on like this was a this is a 94 like long before um, metal universe and um like so all these so this set rising stars um we had this set, which I think is such a cool set. I I really like this set. This is something that these are one of those cards that I was talking about that I like that people, I mean, seating ratios, of course, determine whether or not people like cards. <laughs> but um, like people don't realize all that went into making this particular card. So I'm trying to get it out of its little plastic thing. So this card is from EX. 2001 right yeah and so these illustrations were like really old illustrations from the 1950s earl always liked kind of space themed you know like old comic books or he collects old robots and kind of space stuff so these we had these cool illustrations and i had this really thick plastic and i thought what if I reverse print on the back of the plastic, the illustration, and then print the player on the front. Oh. Will the thickness of the card make it look like he's like way in front of the thing? And you, it is sound slightly that way, but you don't, it doesn't, I don't, I don't know that it was worth it unless maybe it was thicker. So in this instance, I really like this card because of the fun that we had trying to do that. But I don't think most people even realize that we did that. <laughs> yeah. If no, you look at that card. That's really cool. What's that? What's that card called? Um, Stardate 2001. Oh, okay. There's yeah. a, there's several Stardate 2001s from different yeah. uh, sports and that. But if, yeah, if you really look at it, you'll see like the, it's a reverse print and we print it on the front and then we had to print the back. So we had to double print the back of the oh. plastic. Cool. There was a, a lot involved, but it was a fun lot. trying it anyway. <laughs> so I had a question for you, which was, you know, what are some cards that you did that you feel, you know, you're kind of surprised that based on values today, you're surprised that they're not valued as high as, as certain other cards. And that would, that card you just showed, I think would, would answer that question. But the flip side of that, are there some, are there any cards? Uh, some people might not want to hear the answer, but let's see if you, if you have one. Are there any cards that you are surprised are worth as much as they are today? Um, well, 
I know that it all has to do with seating ratios and how many there are. And so, I mean, I, I don't know that there are cards that I'm surprised at. I mean, I, there are some cards that people never talk about that, that I get frustrated with because it, it's just like, so like, I love Circa. I love that set. And I never hear anybody talk about that set. And that we put a lot of time and effort into. Um, and I just really like them. But, you know, for, for whatever reason, that wasn't a set that resonated with people or maybe it was overproduced. I don't know. There are cards like, I think that these are really cool. Um, these, and you can't tell, but this is on a um, an actual piece of material. It's like the material that, like a uniform material. Okay. So we printed on, on the, um, so if you feel it and you look at it, it's got like a linen almost finished. Oh, and I really like that. You know, there's just, I don't know, there's just so many cards that we, it, we designed so many cards. It was crazy. You know, like In 10 as, years, like 48 sets a year. You're, I mean, that's going to be a lot of cards. <laughs> inserts. It is. The card companies are doing that many now, if not more. And the yeah. hobby has been calling for innovation from, from all the card companies for many, many years. I mean, I think they innovate more than we give them credit for a lot of the time. And yeah. some of the innovations are subtle. Some, some aren't, are, 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 some are very more, much more pronounced, but it seems like back in the nineties, you were just an innovation machine coming up with different stocks and, and all these, all these things. And I wonder how much of it, like you said, you had the budget for it back then. Um, yeah. Is, you know, is, is that really a, a is that um, the main limiting limiting factor to the? I don't see why it would be. I mean, they're producing less, so you would think like a stock, a really interesting stock. Yes, it might be expensive, but you're not buying as much. You're buying, you know. I don't know. I don't know what it. I mean, it's probably a combination of um, of a bunch of factors. One of them being that um, there isn't like as much competition. So one person has the baseball license or the basketball license. So you don't really feel the need that you have to go out there and really push the envelope because you're not com competing with somebody else. Um, and then I also think that memorabilia, I mean, that takes up a lot of, a lot of the money, memorabilia, autographs. I mean, people want jerseys and stuff like that. So that started happening to us too at the end of the um, 90s. It all became about game worn and autographs. And so a lot of this stuff went away because that money went into that. Yeah. So it's probably a combination of things. But there is, there is, a, there, there is a, a motion to get back towards... Um, just the rare insert, you know, the no non-auto, non-patch, non-fabric, just just a nice insert. Yeah. And uh, we we've been, you know, we're when I say we, I mean, you know, I collect hockey uh, pretty much throughout and from eight from, from from the beginning of time till today. And uh, I feel very fortunate that Upper Deck is the company that that has you now, and um, and will be able to. Uh, you know, when, once, once, or if you're going to work, I think you mentioned you're going to be working on hockey products or you, you, you have something yep. in, in the future. Yep. Uh, that that's very exciting for, for, for us. 
And um, but it doesn't have to be all autographed and jersey cards, you know, it can just be yeah. nice, uh, rare type of rare inserts, parallels, that sort of thing. That's that's what excites get that's what excites me these days. Good. I'm hoping I look that happens. That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple comments here I want I want to go through. Andrew Mark says, whoever came up with Metal Universe base was from another world. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cardboard Max says, thank you, Gene. I always knew the base was more beautiful than PMG. Some people might disagree, but the base cards yeah. are beautiful in, in light. They, they really are. Well, you know what? Something else that Nat said to me was that when he was younger, he had actually pulled one from a pack. And when he opened the pack, it was upside down. So when he went through, he saw that it was backwards. And he said all of them, people you know who pulled them say that they were backwards. So, you know, you know, those are the kind of things, those visceral things that you that had nothing to do with the design of the card, but it just happened to be a happy accident the way they were put in the packs like that. So that kind of stuff, you know, you can actually Put into packs that way you know like just to i don't know change things up or or because especially now when people are opening packs and boxes on camera you know all that stuff should be thought about yeah. how what do, what is it like to open up a pack and and for people to be taping it maybe there's something we can do that's that's a little bit different so that they know that this they got some kind of special card yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, I'm smiling because uh, when Upper Deck put out the cup, which is like the, the hockey equivalent of exquisite, um, there were in the early days, they used to put a piece of foam on, on the on top. So when you'd open it up, if you had foam, you knew oh. you probably had a very good pack. And, yeah. uh, and people <laughs> used to, I remember being at, at the Toronto Expo, and you'd hear people, people yelling, I got foam. I got foam. And then, you know, and yeah, then the crowd, exactly. the crowd would come around and they take, they take the cards down very slowly to see what was. I wonder going. if you could feel that though. Could you feel the pack and feel that you had. These are, these are, these are cards that are packaged in a box that is sealed. The box is then put in a tin, which is, oh, okay. then, which is then put in a cardboard box. So yeah. no, you, you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Frankie Gonzalez, great to have you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Shay wants to know, Gene, did you do the NBA hoops, bams, and the slam bams? Yes. I really like, I mean, I, that's another one that the type plays a big part in. And I like those, but I don't have any of those because they were numbered. So I don't have them. Yeah. Milan I would like a set of those, but I don't have them. Milan makes this comment. We kind of spoke to it. Has the design tech has the design technique and technology changed drastically in 25 years? And then has it caused complacency on innovation? We talked about the complacency piece, but I, I'm curious about the first part. And it was something we were going to talk about is, you know, what what are the changes in the last 25 years that you that you've noticed? You mentioned you, you know, you've gone out, you found some new stock that you're you you like, you think could be cool. Yeah. Is there anything that has been created in the last 25 years that just wasn't around back in the early, in the late 90s? Well, you know what? It's hard because really people don't print things as much as they used to print. You know, things are digital now a lot. So there isn't as much stock out there and um, paper companies aren't really pushing the envelope either because they don't have the need for it. Um, but there is, you know, there 
there is some stuff that we found that I think could be kind of cool. And the other thing that I think will make things better or easier for design is back in the early nineties, really the, um, the computer was at its infancy, almost the internet was definitely. So like when we did the, the metal universe, um, champions, uh, championship set that has the cityscapes in the background. You know, we had a hard time getting pictures of cities, enough pictures. So some of those we filled in with universe space themes again on the ones that we couldn't get. Whereas now we would have so much access to photography and illustrators and artists and designers that I would want to work with, um, you know, collaborate with. So, I mean, I think that would, that could really open up a lot. Well, with that said, let's talk a little bit about the set that is going to be coming out that you have worked on with Upper Deck. Okay. Which is called Metal Universe Champions. Yep. And Upper Deck did show some of the designs in uh, or at the National, including mm -hmm. a, a PMG, a Jambalaya, among some others. Um, a redesign, not a retro, but a redesign of those, yes. A redesign of those, yeah. I, I'm yeah, the Jambalaya to... doesn't look like, it's not a retro of the Jambalaya. Yeah. Right, it's a brand new design conceptualized by yourself, Earl as well. Earl oh, and yeah, you. Earl, actually Earl did the jambalaya because he did the original one. We thought, you know, it'd be fun for him to redesign that. That is, that's, that's very cool. Yes. So um, the set itself though, outside of the jambalaya, uh, and I do know the answer to this, but for everybody else, can you tell us about the imaging? Cause you just mentioned nowadays, there's so many images available on, on yeah. just on the internet and, you know, where you stock photos and all this kind of stuff. Tell us about the images for this set and, and what are you excited about uh, with respect to it? Um, well, when Upper Deck contacted us, they said, you know, we want you to think about what would Metal Universe be the following year? Like not do a retro set. Um, they didn't want to reproduce the 97 or the 98, you know, any of the sets that we already did. So um, they said, but, you know, you did that universe, like that metal, the um, universe kind of space theme already in 97. And I said, no, that really wasn't a not, that wasn't a space theme. It was an illustrated theme. So some people are in the Grand Canyon and some have bees chasing them. And, you know, there's all different things. But people think of that set as a, as a universe set because of Jordan and of, um Kobe are both kind of space themed. So so I was like, well what if we actually did do a space theme? Um so right after we talked to them, we I think we talked to them on a Wednesday or Thursday. Sunday morning, uh CBS Sunday morning is a show that we like to watch every Sunday morning and it happened to be that Sunday morning they were talking about um these people who have telescopes in their backyard and how NASA uses them to kind of track planets and, you know, find all kinds of stuff. And then we started, Earl and I started talking about it and we were like, okay, what, you know, what about all those images that you see from the Hubble telescope? So we looked into that. Can we, do we have access to that? Can we use that? 
and we found out that we can. I mean, there's no, there's so many images from the Hubble telescope that are just beautiful, that are um, real. Like, it's amazing that you look at them and you think, I can't even believe this is real. This is really out there. So those images we got access to, and that's what we kind of built this set around those Hubble space station images for the base cards. So, so you know, it, that that's so amazing. It's so amazing that, that we're going to be opening up packs of cards that have, you know, where the base cards mm -hmm. are, ha the backgrounds are actual images of outer space. Yeah. That, yeah, really. And I, I hope, I hope that this is the kind of thing that will make the base card a little bit more interesting. I don't want to say valuable because who really cares about value, but just, you know, desirable, wanted, like in, enjoyed where people will take the time. Like I can look at a shiny card with, you know, a, a gold seismic from Opeachy Platinum or, or some, some prism parallel, which there's so many, I, I, I'm not sure of all the names. I could sit there and hold one and look at it for like 10 minutes and just enjoy the light bouncing off of it. Right. But they're usually rare. They're usually numbered and, and, a little bit more valuable. It'd be nice to have people just sit and look at a base card like that to enjoy and just enjoy the graphic, right? And, and hopefully this is the kind of um, approach that can get the hobby there. Uh, not that they're going to use Hubble uh, images from the Hubble telescope right. uh, on every set, but yeah. at least it's going to maybe spark some thinking for others when they're designing. Well, and what I like about it too is that every card is looked at individually. So you know, every card has its own unique Hubble image. It's not like we used one and put all the cards, like every card will have its own image. And, uh, you know, the there's, there's all kinds of other stuff on the front, like other information. Like we thought, okay, people always ask me about the, um, the, the set that we did where there's the cityscapes. They're like, what is that? behind them and I think why didn't we put that on the card like that would be cool right that's something people want to know so on these images on the front we have like information we wanted it to kind of look like an information card and on there there is like um information about exactly where that is in the universe so it has kind of the coordinates of and it says the name of that particular like um group of stars or whatever it is they name all this stuff and so we we tried to put that information in there too yeah. which maybe you don't care about but it's kind of interesting to me to have that on there yeah i think it's i think it's just really really cool innovative and i i mean i don't know if it's ever been done before something like that and the fact that it's a different image on each card is is the opposite of lazy the opposite of of cheaping out as you hear you know <laughs> complaints about uh about card sets um that, that come from from the hobby it's it's i think and it's innovative it, it's kind of it's kind of checking all those boxes that that uh not all not every box that the hobby's complained about or yeah. had, are taken issue with you know there's others like redemptions and sticker autos and you know yeah. non-game worn fabric and that but it definitely, I'm, I'm, that's out of my control that's yeah so. no i know i know but th this definitely checks a lot of of important boxes that collectors have been calling for for a long time so uh i hope so i hope people like it i mean yeah. I, kudos kudos to, to you for coming up with the idea uh earl and and upper deck for for signing off on it as well 
yeah. yeah very very cool plus yeah. they put a lot of you know at first when we were talking to them they were saying well you know like it's it's expensive to do die cuts and plastic cards and stuff but they put all that in there so we have a two at least two die cut cards that i know of and um a plastic card that has some really cool um foil on it and um all the card the base cards are all etched and yeah so i was happy with with the budget they gave us to work with to have fun with good that's 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 great yeah what what is it what how do you feel i mean you're 25 years out of the hobby not doing sports cards now you're yeah. you're back in like are, do you feel do you feel like you did in the 90s again I, even though it's different like what's <laughs> tell, yeah i mean it does that. it feels i mean it was really fun working on it and knowing that we have these other sets to work on now i have to start thinking in that way again like everything i look at i think can that how can i translate that into a card or um so yeah i mean it's been a lot of fun and i know that going forward working on this will it'll just open up the gates even more you know start so looking into stuff how many sets are you going to be working on every year and how many years do you think you'll be doing this for now uh with upper deck um well i have an nda but it is a multi-year set i mean contract with them um i'm not they didn't give us a set amount of um sets that we're going to be working on it's um and it might be like maybe they're working on something and there's an insert that they just add at the last minute and they say can you do an insert for this particular set maybe we didn't do the whole set we just so there will be some sets that we work on some probably inserts that we throw in um and i'm hoping to really come up with some fun stuff and even if we don't design it maybe they can put it into their other sets yeah so very cool very cool yeah. okay let's go to some comments some questions from the crowd and then and then we're going to get into kind of uh the the last set of questions i guess you could say so cardboard okay. max asked and this is already a while ago but he asked what was the inspiration for the competitive advantage card was that yours competitive advantage i don't think so it's got like the the like these arches on it and the player coming through the middle was what that baseball basketball basketball yeah i don't ah. remember it no problem <laughs> let's, 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 that's fine let's keep going andrew marks wants to know he says i noticed in the 97 98 metal universe set does not have refractors did you intentionally not include them because it was overhyped at the time and you needed to differentiate um the 97 98 basketball i i'm assuming basketball because um refractors like i mean the 97 are you talking about the the base cards because they had that's the set that we had the um the pmgs right i think really if you just think about 97 fleer metal and the fact that there's no refractors was that it was that a design choice or was that a just not even even something that was considered at the time um geez i don't think that 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 was considered at the time like it wasn't necessarily um I was not given like right now, the way that things seem to work is that brand managers give the designer a pretty tight parameters to work in. 
Um, whereas back then the brand managers just gave us the name of the set and we decided what we wanted to do. So um, I'd have to go back and look at exactly what he's talking about, but um, probably there were other things in it already and, and we didn't feel the need for yeah. it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, Anthony George says, this is amazing. I never would have imagined I'd be hearing the ins and outs of who made all the cards I collected as a kid and, and sports cards live that Jay Lee, that's mm -hmm. me never disappoints with the guests. Well, thank you very much, Anthony. And just, how awesome it is for people to to see you and hear from you, Gina. It, it's it's just awesome for sure, for sure. Drizzit ninety eight circa rave reviews baseball are my are beautiful. So there you go. There's someone who likes circa. Very nice. Thank you. Like Skybox this. Skybox EX two thousand hall or nothing combining acetate cardboard and gar gold foil just perfect. Wax yeah, I like those hall or nothing cards. Yeah. Wax Museum podcast, jumping in for a little bit. Glad to see you're back in cards and was nice meeting you in Chicago. There you go. Very nice. Yeah, Very nice. I remember meeting you. Hello, hello, Chad Shipper. One of one wants to know, who are some of your favorite artists and creators? Uh, um, you know, we're really into pop art. So, you know, we I love Roy Lichtenstein and uh, Andy Warhol and... Basquiat and the Frank Stella, like any kind of pop artists I love. Um, and then also, you know, and I, I talked about this before, we really liked um, David Carson, who is a graphic designer, and Margot Chase, who was a graphic designer at that time. Um, Margot Chase did a lot of fonts that we really liked. In fact, they she designed the font that's on um, the EX cards her fonts are kind of gothic looking, which I really liked. And David Carson designed um, magazines. So he did Raygun magazine. I don't know if you remember that from the nineties, it was a skateboarding magazine, but um, so they kind of pushed the envelope in, in design. And we liked them as designers as and well had, as a lot of pop art. And had some influence too. That's awesome. Tony wants to know, will you be working on Marvel cards at upper deck? I have not heard that we will be. I'm not sure. Okay. That would be fun though. <laughs> Shay, Shay is very happy that you had, you did some hoops BAMs work because uh, they're very special to him for very deep reasons. And Shay will be on with me uh, in about half an hour's time. So we can maybe dive into why they're so special to him behind okay. the tanks says jambalaya noise boys and Dunkin' go nuts are the best non-numbered non-memorabilia inserts of all time. Very oh, nice. And I just realized how like far it. behind in the comments we are, but that's okay. So I think we're just going to kind of skip ahead and um, I'm okay. So fanatics, we got to touch on the uh, fanatics yeah. announcement that just yeah. came out. What, when you heard that, what were your thoughts? Any thoughts on, on what this means for the hobby that you're kind of just getting back into and the fact that Seems like Panini's going to lose their basketball, or the, you know, they, they do not have their license. It will not be renewed. Their exclusives will not be renewed in twenty five and twenty six. Ba baseball tops has lost that license come twenty twenty two and or twenty three twenty four something like that. Upper decks unscathed at the at this moment. W what are your comments on on all that? I mean, I don't really know what to think of it. I mean, it, it seems. You know, it's it's a big shakeup in the hobby. I'm sure. I, 
you know, in respect to people who work at all those companies, I don't really don't know what to say. I mean, it's so new. It's all the news is so new. And I'm, I'm just curious how it's all going to shake out. Fanatics, I think, is a Philadelphia company, right? I mean, I think they Let's are. I, that. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, I know my daughter uh, knows people that have worked at Fanatics, the company. So I, I think it's a Philadelphia company. But, um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I'd be curious, oh. well, <laughs> curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah, like just just like the rest of us. So Nat Turner put out a tweet a few days ago yeah. where he had like his four uh, items that he would like to see happen within this new in the in, in the upcoming fanatics era. And one of them was that fanatics should hire you. So two questions on that. Or okay. he said the arenas, not just Gene, but you and Earl arena design. We're we're like a Your package team. deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you're married. So that, you know, that, that's wonderful. Yeah. Two questions on, on what, on, on Nat's tweet. The first one is what, what does that mean to you hearing that from Nat? Who's, you know, he's got a big position in the hobby. Yeah. And the second question is if they come calling, do you go? Well, first, I mean, for Nat to say that, I mean, he's obviously extremely respected in the hobby and, um, it's very flattering. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, so many things can happen in that amount of time um, that they would actually be doing cards. So, you know, like I said earlier, Upper Deck really kind of backed us up. And um, so I'm really happy on that. So that's what I'm focusing on. I don't know. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the future, but right now we're just really happy to be working for Upper Deck. You mentioned that, you know, you you have friends at Tops and Panini. And so you, you know, it, it, and I think a lot of people in the hobby have friends at Tops and Panini because yeah. a lot of people in the hobby have, are, are not, in, you know, have worked in the hobby for a while and, and have moved around. Yeah. Um, like you worked at a card company. So what's going through their minds right now? Can you, can, do you have any insight into that? I mean, I went through, when we were at FLIR, we went through um, when Marvel purchased us. And so that was a big shakeup. And, and then when we purchased Skybox, that was another big shakeup because we didn't know, are they going to move us down there? Do they want their system? Do they want to move it? And there was all kinds of speculation and, um, it's hard when, when you're going through that kind of a big change. I can't imagine what they're going through. Like a, losing your main license. That's, that's rough. So it's gotta be, it's gotta be yeah. rough. Yeah. They've got some but time. I've been through it. I mean, I kind of, I mean, on a smaller scale being purchased, you just don't know. I mean, just to shake up. Plus we went public at that time. Like we were a private company and then we went public. So yeah, I mean, there's always something you have to go through. So Victor kind of echoed the question, if other card manufacturers are interested in hiring Jean, can she sign with them too? Or is she exclusive to Upper Deck now? Like Our it. contract is exclusive right now. Yeah, I would I would, I would kind of hope so. You know, it's kind of, well, I guess I just feel so fortunate that, you know, I collect all the sports, Jean, but hockey is the one where like I will, I will actually 
I collect all the sports in terms of vintage and even into the 90s, but more recent, I'm mostly into for, for current cards and into purchasing hockey. Yeah. But um, so for that reason, I'm glad you're with Upper Deck. Yeah. So, and I, then the, the set that we just worked on was a multi sport set. So. I mean, there is some of that, so we'll see. There is, there is some of that, and I guess, I guess, with with uh, the fanatics announcement and them having basketball, football, baseball, seems like they might be able to do some multi-sport uh, brands as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I was also thinking that there hasn't been a time where, like, an ultra or a flare or ex. And you carry it across sports like that hasn't been happened in a long time because everybody is exclusive. So they'll be able to kind of do carry a brand across sports, a brand or, or yeah, a brand and or inserts like even Upper Deck in 2012 when they brought back Flare Retro, they did essential credentials and they, they put them into now, of course, they're uh, a throwback or, a you know, a tribute sort of thing, but they did them or a retro. They, they right. did them in hockey, licensed, mm -hmm. but they also did them in basketball, uh, unlicensed or college. So you we had it back then. And I agree. I think that's awesome. If you can put together, even doing it now in the 90s, you mentioned Soul of the Game earlier. So I've got a Michael Jordan Soul of the Game card. Love it. Yeah. I now want to get a Ken Griffey Jr. to, to put with it, right? Same set, same right. graphic, but different sports. Just, just so much fun to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Potentially, that'll be something that we can do in the future as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Decoy Card said, this is back with the Hubble Telescope pictures. Card collectors that are science teachers just got a lot more excited, right? That's, <laughs> that's the way to bring a hobby into the classroom. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Teapot says, I already spend most Friday nights scouring for 90s cards, and I'm not going to be able to sleep. So many brilliant designs to collect, for sure. Toa Hang, good evening, says, how much does cost of material dictate the card design? Well, the weird thing is when when we design, it's it when we used to design because now you know we were given parameters before we designed this set. Like we knew this card was going to be plastic and this, but normally when we used to design, it would be, you know, I would see designs or I would design something around something that I wanted, and then I would go to production. And I would say, this is really what I want, but can we afford that? And they might say, let's flip it. That card was one in 24 packs, but let's make that one in 320 packs and we'll flip those. Um, so that kind of stuff went along, you know, it, it, it doesn't really dictate the card design, but it dictates the seating ratios probably more than anything. Which is good to, it's kind of nice to know that, that, some cards in the 90s that are super rare are super rare just because they were more expensive to make kind of the way it should be to a degree yeah. so you know not not just because it's a certain player or just for the sake of a, a rare card or sometimes i would find something that wasn't expensive but it was really kind of flashy and fun and i was like let's use this on the easiest to get insert because you want those you know you want people who are going to see those the most to have something fun too yeah, for sure. Here's a question. Flea Market Mixtape wants to know, did you have anything to do with the FLIR ProVision inserts? Um, when I started, ProVisions were already going on. Um, and that was Terry Smith, who was the illustrator. Um, so, I mean, I've met Terry a few times. Like, he used to come into the office and stuff. But he was the illustrator 
um, behind that. So I didn't really have anything to do with those. Okay. Darcy, good evening. Says he loves your card designs, Gene. That's wonderful. Good evening, Darcy. Uh, Schmidt Collector, was Gene a part of the new Metal Universe Hockey? And I, I know you weren't, but you may be involved in next year's, potentially. Um, I don't know. I would imagine that they're already designing that set because the next set that we're designing is redesigning the set that we just designed because that was already a year ago. So, you know, they probably have that set underway, but I'm not sure. I'm not privy to that. Well, not yet, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Good evening, Tom Bullard. Hope you are well as well. And I love when someone reminds me and Tom says, let's not forget to hit the thumbs up, guys. So yeah, please hit that thumbs up. Please subscribe if you're not yet subscribed to Sports Cards Live. Greatly appreciate it. And just great to have everyone here to uh, to, to join us on a, an, an off Friday. Usually this is Saturday night, but we're here on Friday night uh, this week. So uh, I'm glad everybody could make it. And uh, And if you're watching in reruns on Saturday... Hope you had a hope you're having a great Saturday. Hockey guy wants to know when did you realize the impact your designs had in the hobby and how beloved they are? Um probably when people started contacting us after that SB Nation. I mean, I did see that the value of them was going up, but um I assumed that was mostly due to seating ratios, but then people were saying to us, well, there are other cards that are rare, but for some reason, all these cards are the ones that everybody wants. So I'm like, well, that's good to know. I mean, we put, it was a group effort. There was, you know, the sports information guys, there was us, production, the photo editors. And so everybody, it was just so much work to, that went into these cards. And Earl and I just loved designing them so much that I'm glad people could see all that effort. Yeah. And like it. It's great. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, it, you know, it'd be, it'd just be such a dream to be able to design a card that people love, you know? Yeah. But you have to have some skills, which I personally don't. Well, uh, as a graphic designer, you're usually doing stuff that people throw away. It's like a wrapper. You know, packaging or yeah. Invitations. <laughs> right. Yes. So people throw that away to have something that people have held on to these this long is great. Yeah. Milan says, I'm calling it now. Inserts inspired by your favorite artists of the past and their styles. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. I'd be up for that. There you go. There's an idea. Hey, Milan, you might have just inspired something there. Uh, <laughs> Teapot says, what was the name of the thermochromatic, the, the touch temperature sensitive card set that you uh, showed earlier? Well, we didn't have a name for it. This was just, I wanted a sample done. So we have, um, see, it says Diamond Soul. That's actually an insert that was being produced at that time. So they used the dyes and everything that we already had going on for that set. And that's on a lenticular stock. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's kind of this crazy wavy lenticular stock. But um, so that was never really named. It was just what we had lying around. And I happen to use Ken Griffey Jr. for this. But normally we would just use whoever is on our computer if I had the forethought to think, oh, let's always do it, you know, all in Jordan cards, I, I should have done that, but I didn't do that. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would have been pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. You'd be showing off, showing off all these Jordans <laughs> that never existed. Yes. People would be salivating. They're salivating. The people it was are salivating. Whatever was on the computer I used. 
Well, people are salivating over that Griffey. I can guarantee you that for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, okay, well, we we will keep on going. We'll go. We'll get through some more comments here, and, uh, and then we'll we'll start to wind down. Okay. Um, Ian, undercover, the color changing effects popularized by the mood ring fascinated kids of the era. I, I remember having mood rings in, when I was a young young kid. Uh, Decoy card says, oh, sorry, right here. With all the stock talk, would it be possible to use unconventional unconventional materials like basketball rubber or baseball leather as the border of a card? Um, we did do leather. We've done leather cards. Um, and we wanted to use basketball material, but the, um, you know, the, the players were not looking great on that stippling effect that's on it, but we have used leather. Yeah. Okay. And, In fact, uh, I had a, I don't have it here. I had a sample of a card that we never produced that was like leather that we kind of debossed a, a portrait into. So maybe that'll come up. <laughs> Lots of innovating ideas for sure. Innovative ideas. Uh, this is coming from uh, Booty. He says, kudos to Gene of Arena Design. Made us the 90s kids in, in Indonesia. So happy. Thanks, Gene and team. So that's, that's oh. awesome. And thank you for joining. Seabass uh, says, diamond soles are awesome. I agree. Uh, Tony says, "Put those samples on eBay, please." Maybe we'll <laughs> and let's let's go let's go to this one here because this is one that we have to make sure we talk about. We're talking about PMGs now, precious metal gems. Yep, the greens and the reds. Why was red and green, or ruby and emerald, chosen as the parallel colors for the precious metal gems? And also, why was green decided to be more rare than red? So, please speak to um, that, and we'll likely well, wrap up on this one. When they said it was going to be PMGs, so it was precious metal gems, right away, gems, I thought of my favorite gem, which is an emerald. Um, that's my birthstone. It's my um, engagement ring. Uh, and green is my favorite color. So I thought, okay, that's a, you know, let's use that green as a gem. And it wasn't originally going to have two. It was one parallel. And then when they said, let's, you know, we want to make kind of a sub parallel of that, take 10 of them and do it a different color. I, we kept the green as the 10 and then did the um, ruby, which I thought was kind of a good um, combination, emeralds and rubies. So we did the red as the ruby. And so I, when we met last month or yep. yeah, it was late July mm -hmm. at the national and, uh, we took a picture together and I asked you to hold up your ring because it's got the green emerald in it. And I thought <laughs> to myself, that is the ring that inspired the, what is the, the grail for basketball cards from the nineties, the precious metal gems, green cards, the, the emerald cards. That's funny. Is it, am I, am I a little bit inaccurate saying that the ring inspired it or is it really just because your favorite gem is an emerald and it's your birthstone? Um, well, you know, I'm left-handed. So every time I'm drawing or doing anything, I see my ring all the time. So probably the ring inspired it, but I okay, good. bought well, the, um, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I got the emerald because it is my favorite stone though. I do love emerald. So, and I thought, when am I going to get the emerald that I want <laughs> other than my engagement ring? <laughs> <laughs> and, and now 
the the emerald that you want is probably the Michael Jordan Precious Metal Gems green because yeah, that is probably the kidding. most one of the most uh, valuable emeralds out there. That's more valuable than my ring, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay, here's a comment from Shay. He says, if you can comment, what are some of your favorite Panini inserts? And are you even, I guess, are you even aware? Like, have you done I'm that research? I'm really not. I wish I was. I, I am going to um, do more research on that. But people have been showing me the um, Kabooms. Is that what it is? Kaboom? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and they, I like them. I mean, they're very kind of 90s feel to them. It kind of reminds me of the... Um, you know, just the, the way that it's produced, not reminds me of the design, but the way it's produced is, um, is like the, uh, planet metal where we had like the planet. I, I know I have it here, but I don't want to, um, so we had a special holographic foil built around the design and that's what that kind of looks like. And I like that. I think, you know, that's kind of nice. Yeah. I don't know that that's not tops though, is it? I mean, I mean, that is that tops or is that That's panini? Panini, okay. yeah, they're panini. Yeah, yeah. Very, <laughs> really sound very popular uh, inserts and uh, and and a favorite of of Shay actually, who will be uh, joining me in about ten minutes on uh, on the after hours show. Okay. So, okay, guy, to to the chat, we are going to wind down in like a couple minutes here. So, um, get the final comments in, please. Uh, for Gene, we may not get to all of them. I think you've, I think many of the questions have been asked. And so thank you all for those, uh, throughout the, throughout the show. Um, I like this. Skeppy says that PMG green going forward should be hand signed by Gene and Earl. That would be, that'd be <laughs> kind of cool. Maybe on the back, maybe on the front. <laughs> yeah. Maybe <laughs> on the plastic holder. <laughs> yeah. Good evening to you, Joffer. Great to see you. Um, Okay. Uh, let's wrap it up. All right, Gene, this has been, okay. I think this, is there anything we missed? Anything else that you want to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, I think we covered, I don't even remember what we talked about. It was all big blur. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad we had a chance to do this. Uh, it, it's, you know, I look back at the, the library of, of guests and episodes that I've done. Uh, this is episode 111 uh, which is kind of a little bit misleading because the show I'm about to do with Shay next, I think is episode like 40 something of, of the late show. So, but it's still, you know, when I look at everything, I had to have you on. I had, it, it's just great to have, it kind of, it rounds out the roster of guests that I've had on the show. Not that there aren't more to come. There are, but um, you're, you're key to that. So I'm just so, so proud that. to have you. And uh and it's and then to be able to call you a friend. We've met in person. We've hung out here yeah. tonight for a couple hours. We hung out <laughs> the other night for what felt right. was probably a couple hours. So right, <laughs> yeah. So we we we're now friends, Gene. Like it or not, we are now friends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, thank you for having me on. I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. Your kind it's, words too. It's great, and can't wait to see the cards that you're going to be uh, working on with Upper Deck, and um, just very excited about it. So. Uh, again, everybody, thank you all for joining. Uh, hope you enjoyed this. If you did, if you didn't, hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to Sports Cards Live if you haven't yet. I will be back on with uh, with Shay in about uh, just just under ten minutes, and then next Saturday we've got Reed Casayoka from Dave and Adams, who's got amazing stories to tell, and we got a collector episode coming on after with Joe Reichard. 
Wade Boggs Collector. He's got a great YouTube channel. Check that out. So he'll be joining me uh, next week. And then we are pretty much booked like through November for basically. So we are still continuing to go strong here. Nice. Uh, so Tony Sin, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Victor says, thanks, Gene. You are awesome. Canadian Cards Mike, thank you very much. Thank you, Chris R. Can't wait to see the new set. That's awesome. Chris from House of Jordans says, best of luck, Joffer. Okay. <laughs> I thought I saw Chris that he has to say something about, to Gene directly, but he didn't. But he's also <laughs> getting ready for his uh, his show tonight on Instagram Live. And Ian Undercover says, thanks for joining us. Hearing how designing high rollers innovations had such an impact in modern card design was amazing. Teapot with a round of applause. So that's great. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Be back soon. Gene, final words from you to the to the chat, and uh, we're done. Um, well, just thank you, everyone, for, um, you know, when, they, when we made the announcement with Upper Deck, we had so many people write to us, like, such nice things. It's been really nice. So thanks for welcoming us back so nicely. All right. Great. All Thanks, right, everybody. Jeremy. Yeah, you are you are more than welcome. It's been great to have you. Hang on, right? Hang on one second, right there, Gene. Okay. Everybody else, we will see you soon. Thank you so much. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.